This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning. Certainly good for us to be gathered here with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. want to echo what Joe said this morning about our visitors. We're thankful everyone is here, especially our visitors. We welcome you here. Consider yourselves our guests of honor. We invite you back anytime you can meet with us. Appreciate the prayers on my behalf this morning, and it's certainly my prayer that the things that I bring to your mind this morning, first of all, that they glorify God, and secondly, that I present them in a way that will be interesting to you and that will, will help you in your Christian walk. I want to speak this morning on investing. Shortly before I left Lubbock, one of the things we were working on there was uh, some 401k stuff. We would call in an, an investment advisor a couple times a year, and he had just come. And as I listened to the advice that he gave our 401k participants, a lot of that, I couldn't help but thinking a lot of that makes a good parallel in our, our, our lives and our Christian walk, those principles that he laid out. And so this morning, I hope to share some of those things to you, and hopefully these things will be a benefit to you. So I've titled the study this morning, Spiritually, Spiritual Investing or Investing in Spiritual Treasures. And hopefully the things that we look at this morning will make us all better investors. Not We don't want to leave here ready to save for retirement, but we, we want to be, leave here more prepared in our Christian walk to invest for eternity. Now, we may not think of ourselves as an investor. Uh, there are many people who, who would say, I don't get involved in investing. I, I don't play the stock market and so forth. But I would argue that we're all investors in some degree. We all invest in something because investing is not just financial. It may be we may invest time. We may invest ourselves, our energy. We may invest time in learning a craft or a hobby. Maybe we want to learn an instrument where we set aside that time, we make that investment in hopes of learning that instrument. We invest hoping that what we, in, that what we put into it is going to reap a reward on down the road. We want to be profitable in those things. So we want to ask ourselves today, what am I invested in? How am I investing myself in this life? Our Savior tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." So Jesus tells us to lay up treasures where? Not here on earth. What does it mean to lay up? That's probably not something, I don't know if I've ever used that in just my daily talk with someone. What does it mean to lay up? Well, if you go back to the Greek, this term lay up, it comes from Greek words meaning to amass, to reserve, to make deposits. To lay something aside, to build it up. Basically, it just means put something aside, save it, uh, save it for later. 
And when we are doing that, when we're laying something aside, when we're saving something up, it affects our behavior. Whatever we're building up, whatever we invest our time and resources in, we're going to protect that. For example, think of an, someone like an artist. They're working on this work of art, maybe a painting, and this thing is taking them four, six weeks, however long it's taking. They're going to protect that investment. They're going to cover it. They're, they're not going to want to get that stolen. They don't want to see that investment go to waste. They're going to protect it. You would make sure that your work didn't get destroyed. We don't want our investments to be stolen or get ruined. And the classic example is don't put your money under a mattress because it's safer in the bank. Protect that asset. And we protect whatever we view as treasure. You know, we don't protect the garbage. We protect whatever we put a high value on, we protect that because we see it as valuable. And if our treasure is in heaven, what are we going to do? We're going to protect that. We're going to set our heart upon preserving that uh, treasure in heaven. To lay up treasure, we must contribute something to a place where it's stored. So what we have is the choice in our lives to invest. We can invest in this world or we can invest in the treasures of heaven. And that's what Jesus is telling here. Don't invest in the things of this earth. No matter what you might profit in this earth, it's only temporary. It can be corrupted. Uh, it can, the moth corrupts. It can be, thieves can break through and steal. That can't happen with our heavenly treasure. Nobody can touch that. So there's a, we're going to go over some parallels between financial investing and spiritual investing. But the main difference is that anything we invest in earth, there's always risk involved. No matter how sound the investment may be, there is always risk involved. The difference is that we invest in spiritual treasures, the treasures of heaven. There is no risk, and that's a blessing we can't thank God enough for. Because God guarantees us a reward in our spiritual investing. And as Jesus makes clear here, there is no security in the treasures of this world. Now, in the investment world, retirement accounts like a 401k or those types of investments, those are really seen as, in general, pretty safe places to invest in. But as we've seen in the last oh, decade, maybe a little 15 years or more, you take a couple of bad days, you have a bad run, and literally and we see an entire life savings in this retirement account just wiped out overnight. And we've seen that a lot here lately. You need to take a pandemic. You never know what's going to happen. And so no matter how secure the investment might seem, it might be the safest thing investment out there. There is still risk, and it is still just a temporary investment. It offers no eternal benefit whatsoever. What is an investment? Well, it's really just giving up something now in hopes of achieving something better later. Whether, whether it's, again, contributing to a retirement plan, getting an education, practicing something, getting training, whatever it may be, all those things, you're giving up something now, whether it's time, money, energy, in hopes that you're going to profit later on. And we never invest hope to hoping to lose out. You don't put a new roof on your house hoping that it makes the house crumble. You don't invest $100 in stocks hoping that you can sell them for $50 down the road. We always want to profit from our investments. A little chart that I had to put together for our company, we wanted to look at what the value of our, throughout the life of our 401k, 
how much has been put into that plan minus what's been taken out for retirees and so forth versus what the value is. And so if you can read that, there's a blue line. This is kind of a classic example of any in investments or, you, or like a retirement plan. You've got this blue line that is the actual value of the balance in that, in that account, and the orange is what's been put in. And you have that separation there. And what that separation is is the gain, or that's the profit that's been earned from that plan. And you hope as time goes on that that thing widens up. And vet investors, those in the retirement industry, they'll pretty much guarantee. Uh, history shows that as long as you stay the course, it always trends upward. And historically, that may be true. But again, it's only a temporary benefit. It's only money. It offers no benefit uh, in the long run. And anything... Can happen to that but what god does is you know we you know it's a crude way to even try to compare what god does for us to to money but just for illustration you, you couldn't even the separation between that is is so big we can't even wrap our heads around it because he guarantees a result and the glory that we're promised we can't even compare to the trials that we have to to go through in this life because the prophet is so good that he promises us what I've done is I've come up with an outline, just some thoughts I've had of a spiritual investment plan. The first being commit to the best plan. Do research, find out what is the best plan that I can be involved in, that I can invest in. And once I find that plan, commit to it. Stick to that plan. Be convinced that this is the best investment for me and then stick to it. If you're saving for retirement, you want to invest in such a way that what? What is your goal in saving for retirement? Well, the goal is when you get to retirement, you're going to be okay. You're going to have enough of a balance in there that you're going to be able to actually retire and perhaps live comfortably. That same attitude should be true spiritually. We want to follow a plan as we go through life that does what? Well, when we come to the end of life, hopefully we can look back upon a life that's been profitable that gets us to where we want to be, which is an eternal home in heaven. None of us wants to get to the end of this life. Nobody wants to get to retirement and at that moment realize, oh, I haven't saved enough. I'm never going to be able to retire. And we certainly don't want to come to the end of life or come to judgment, none of us wants to come there and, and think and realize at that moment, ooh, I should have been better prepared. And fortunately, we have the opportunity today to get prepared, to get on the right plan. There's three basic, I mean, principles you may call them, but first of all, we need to understand where we're at. When we look at our investment plan and our goals, where are we at right now? Am I where I need to be? What kind of condition am I in? Secondly, where do I want to go? What do I want to achieve? And then last of all, how do I get there? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12-16 through 16. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. 
Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Kind of sounds like a plan to me. The Apostle Paul, the older Apostle Paul telling the younger Timothy, yes, you're young, Timothy, but be a good example. Study and meditate upon God's Word and then live by it. And this is a plan that leads towards eternal life. And that plan is laid out for us as well. Older, wiser investors, they will tell young people one thing, or they'll tell them a lot, but one thing they'll tell them is start early. Invest young, invest young, invest young, because the sooner you start investing, the greater, profit, the greater chance for profit you have. And I think that kind of principle is what the Apostle Paul is doing here to Timothy. Let no man despise thy youth, or don't let people look down upon you because you're young. Go out there and be an example to people. Don't let your youth be a hindrance to you. The younger you start, the better. And he's telling him here in verse 14, neglect not the gift that is in thee. In other words, you have a gift, Timothy. We all have a gift. We all have potential to be profitable. Don't neglect that gift. Don't throw away this potential that's in you. As a young Christian, speak to the young people, you are loaded with potential for profit. And spiritually, Paul is laying out this game plan to Timothy. He tells Timothy, he tells us, give yourself wholly to the Word of God and our profiting will be apparent to all. If you give yourself wholly to God's Word, people are not going to question whether you're a Christian because there's no denying it. If you are wholly in God's Word, if you have wholly bought into that plan, there's no denying it. People are going to see that. It's going to be apparent to all that you have profited in the Word of God. And a side effect of that is, what does it say here in the end of verse 16? In doing this, you shall save both yourself, but not just yourself, those that hear you. Buy into the plan completely and do it as soon as possible. For any investment plan to work, it must be followed. You have to be a disciplined investor. If you're saving for something, you know that you've got to be disciplined or you're never going to meet that goal. If you, if you have this savings plan, you've got to deposit $10 a week or whatever, and you start saying, well, I'm just going to do $10 a month. Now, we have several in here that invest in real estate. If you're going to do a flip house and you lay out this plan, well, I want to basically have this house on the market at, at such and such time, You've got to have a plan that you follow. If you start getting in there and like, well, I'm going to take a couple weeks off here to go do this and that, or I'm, on, I'm just going to do the interior of the house. I'm not going to worry about the exterior. And you just scrap the plan. Well, you know, you don't get to your goal. You've got to follow the investment plan. And spiritually speaking, it's that same, it works the same way. If you're only halfway into following God's plan, how do you expect to, to reap that eternal reward, reward if you're checking out, taking breaks all the time? You know, you've got to be fully invested in that plan. Because that's what you do. You, ne- you neglect the, the potential that's in you when you don't fully buy into the plan. 
because God has a plan for each of us. And if we invest in that, he guarantees us a reward. We have to be disciplined as Christians. And this is plainly put in Psalms 37 and 5. It says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Pretty clear words here. Not hard to understand. Commit yourself to God. Trust in him. And what's going to happen? He shall bring it to pass. You must trust in God enough to commit to him. If you don't trust God, you're not going to commit to him. So trust in God, commit to following him. Because it's that commitment, your commitment is what ultimately pays off in the end. Any investing we do in life always has uncertainty. Again, that is not the case with God. One thing that you'll hear in the investment world is don't put all your eggs in one basket. In other words, don't invest just in one thing because companies, products, they go obsolete. And if you have all your investment in that, well, your investment just tanked. Different spiritually investing. We want to put all of our eggs in one basket, the basket of God, because he gives a guaranteed reward. And he has a very specific plan to follow. We're told in Revelation 22 to not add to or take away from God's word. Pretty plainly put, don't, don't add, God said, don't add to or take away. Don't try to change my word. And why would you try to make changes to God's plan? That's something that has always kind of perplexed me. Why would you want to change something that's perfect? But people do this all day, every day. They try to change the Word of God. And it just defies logic because we know two things. Number one, God's plan is perfect. So why would you want to change something that can get no better? That doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. And number two, God flat out tells us, don't change the plan. So, so it just it doesn't make any sense why someone would take God's Word and present themselves as this is what we should be doing because God very plainly says, my plan is perfect, don't change it. There's no need to change it. So why tinker with a plan that is guaranteed to get us to our our goal? And again, we should never second guess that plan because it's perfect and it's going to pay off for us if we just buy into it. 1 Timothy 6, verses 10 and 11. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. God directs us how to live our life. He tells us what to avoid. He tells us what to do. He's laid out this pathway for us to follow. And in this scripture, we see a man of God needs to follow after a certain set of things are listed here. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So as I read those things, just ask myself, do I have these things? Do I practice these things? Are these things a part of my life? Because it says here, oh, man of God, I would I hope that's what I'm considered in God's eyes, a man of God. 
am I following these things? Are these part of my life? We're also told here, fight the good fight of faith. You're not going to fight for something you are not committed to. It's just not going to happen. And if, if you're not fully invested in eternal life, you're not going to fight for it. You're only going to be committed to, you're only going to fight for something that you see as a good investment. If, for example, if I came to you today and said, hey, I've got an inside track. I found a warehouse filled, filled with typewriters. All, all I need is give me $10,000 and I will make you a fortune on these typewriters. Well, those things are obsolete. Hopefully you wouldn't trust that advice. You're not going to buy into that plan. We only invest in things that have potential to profit us. Look back to those that helped form this nation. Someone like George Washington. Think of all the, the hardships that they went through to form this nation. They did that because they believed in the cause. They believed that freedom was worth fighting for. And many of those men died in that effort. They never saw that work come to fruition. But they, they knew that it was a cause worth fighting for. They invested themselves in the cause of freedom. We as Christians, are we really invested in the fight? Are we really invested in heaven? Acts 4 and 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we know this is speaking of Jesus Christ. There's no salvation in any, in any other. And salvation is certainly a cause worth fighting for. And it's only going to be achieved through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fought for us and laid down His life so that we could have freedom from sins and have the hope of eternal life. You know, He was... He knew how great the cause of freedom was. Freedom of sins. And He wanted that for us because He loved us. And He wanted us to have that freedom from sins. And He fought for that cause to the point of being nailed to a cross. So when we look at ourselves, are we ready to fight the good fight? Are we ready to buy into God's plan? Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, and this word beseech, it pretty much means beg. So the Apostle Paul is saying, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is how we invest in heaven, and it's reasonable. We are not asked to do anything unreasonable. Hopefully we're investing in the plan that God has given. He's given us the plan of salvation. He's laid out the instructions on how to keep ourselves on the right path. And we've got to commit to that plan and actively participate in it. And this is going to bring us to our next point, which we found the best plan, we committed to it, now what do we do? We need to contribute to this plan. We need to put as much into that plan as we possibly can. Once you find the right savings or investment plan, your chance of profit, and this is financially speaking, your chance of profit is determined by how much you put into that plan. In a CD, savings account, the more deposits you make, the more you invest, the greater amount you're going to have at maturity or when you're ready to, to withdraw that money. If you put a, a dollar in savings, 
and that's it, or a dollar every year, you're not going to have anything. You're not going to earn very much of all because you didn't put very much in. The same is true in a spiritual sense. But once again, the spiritual sense has no risk. Luke chapter 18, verses 29 through 30. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or parents or brethren, wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. Jesus assures us that our sacrifices to God will not be forgotten. Our investment will grow by manifold more, as, as he says in, there in verse 30. And that's exactly what you would want from any investment. In this life, if somebody said this is a guaranteed thing, you're going to reap manifold more than what you put in, everybody would be jumping at that investment. Here we have a guaranteed plan that we can, we can get into. We should be jumping to contribute as much as we can to the service of God because it will pay off. Manifold more, as we're told. Why do people not do this? Why do people not invest? You know, there's some people, well, I don't want the risk. But maybe from a financial perspective, but just invest in themselves. Why don't people do that? A lot of it's just maybe fear or being lazy. It's because to invest something, you're required to do something or to put something aside. And many people, unfortunately, are just, they're just flat out unwilling to do that. They don't want to make the sacrifice that investing requires. Investing involves sacrifice because you have to give up something now to have that pay off for you in the future. Whether it's contributing maybe 3% of your paycheck, something like that, taking a music lesson an hour a week, you do that because you're convinced that that's going to pay off for you in the future. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Any work that you do in the Lord has a value. We're told right here, there's always some benefit for working for the Lord. It's never in vain. Our labor produces fruit. It is, it's profitable. And there's a benefit from all labor in the Lord, and that's, of course, not the case financially. Stocks may crash. The value of a dollar, of the dollar changes. Interest rates fluctuate. Uh, but the laboring that we do in the Lord's service, it's always valuable. So we found the best plan. We know we need to contribute as much as we can to that plan. Another thing we need to do is buy low, sell high. When the stock market takes a downturn, a lot of people get scared and they, they jump out of the stock market. They get out. But financial advisors will, will look at that and say, don't do that. That's a buying opportunity. Not only don't get out, put more into it. Because if you do that wisely, you buy low and then it's at a bottom and you you hope that it can go nowhere but up from there. In our life, that same principle is true. When times are tough, that's a buying opportunity, you could say. It's a time when, when things are going rough for you, that is a time in your life when you can fully lean on your faith. 
to help you get through. In the investment world, so many people make a mistake of a knee-jerk reaction and they get out of the plan when things are not going so well. Everything that they've put aside just goes to waste because they have this fear and they get out and they've lost everything that they've built up. And back to our chart, you'll see there, somewhere you'll see that blue line take a downturn. Around 2008, 2009, the recession, things were not going well in the financial world. It was so bad, there was multiple accounts of financial investment people committing suicide over this because stocks were in such bad shape. They checked out of the, they didn't just check out of the plan, they checked out of life. And there are a lot of people who got out of the market completely. But when you get out, when things are at an all-time low, look at the opportunity you pass up. Right there, that's a real-world example there. And people that stayed the course, they're reaping that benefit right now. But a lot of people check out when things get rough. That is, that's a principle that's true in our lives. If, if the going gets tough and you just check out of life, Think of the opportunity that you're passing up to, to let God make you profitable from there on. Things in life start going wrong, and some people, they do. They check out. They stop coming to church. They, they don't come to church functions. They stop. Maybe they stop reading the Word of God. Worst of all, they're turning away from God. That's the, that's the tra- tragedy in the situation. They go through a rough patch, and rather than just sticking it out, having that uh, faith to get through it, they give up on the very thing that is going to pay off in the end. It's going to pay off eternally. True story about one of our 401k participants at work. When COVID hit, there was a pretty rough patch there for, I don't know, it was a while. There was a rough patch in the markets. And one of our 401k participants, he, he told us, he's like, I want out and I want out immediately. This is just too risky for me. And our advisor told him, don't do it. You will thank me later. Do not get out right now. He was reluctant, and, but he did say, okay, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay the course. And he told us not long ago, he told us, I can't thank you enough for advising me to stay in. Because his accounts were even more than this. I mean, he he skyrocketed from there. And he just couldn't thank us enough or thank the advisor enough for giving him that advice. Don't get out. And it highlights the example for me. Don't lose hope when things go wrong. Stick with God because He will be profitable for you. Investing is about the end result and not losing sight of the end result. There's a lot of people who try to save for retirement and they like do like a day trade. They, you know, what is happening today and they'll be doing all this buying and selling. But when you do that, you never give it, give these investments a chance to work. And you're kind of doing that spiritually. If you're working for God one day and then you're not the other and you're back and forth, wishy-washy, you're never giving God the opportunity to work in your life. Because looking through for retirement, uh, towards retirement or for eternity, it's about that end result. It's not so much about what's going on in this very moment. It's about never losing sight of that end result. You may be going through a rough patch, but it's it's about eternity. It's not about just today. There will be ups and downs. There's going to be difficult times. We know that. 
but it's about the end result. That's what matters. We try to convince ourselves too frequently that oh, it's just too hard. This, this life is just too much for me. But that's really not the case when we think about it. We often whine about it being too hard, but it's really not. The Apostle Paul tells us that the work that is required of us is, is really petty compared to the great reward that we'll receive. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The inheritance is going to be so good that the work required cannot compare to it or the things that we need to be doing in this life. We can't even compare these tribulations, these trials that we face. We can't even make a valid comparison to the glory that awaits us. And it's always a humbling thought here when we're considered joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The Son of God who never gave into temptation who was persecuted, humiliated, nailed to a cross. He never did anything wrong. And look at all the stuff we do, and we can consider ourselves a joint heir with Him. That's really a sobering thought. And we couldn't ask for a better investment plan than what God has given to us. What a, what a blessing that is. Absolute assurance. That is something that nothing on this earth can provide. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17, For our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our time on earth, it's just a blink of an eye in comparison to eternity. How often do we stumble on this light affliction and we lose sight of the eternal glory that waits for us? We tend to whine and moan about any little inconvenience that we experience, but we need to realize the truth we have a moment of suffering, as we're told here, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. How much are we willing to invest for this eternal weight of glory? Number four on our list is we have to be patient. We have to be steadfast and unmovable, which goes hand in hand with patience. In retirement savings, you have to be patient because of the ups and downs in the market. If you're not patient, you're, any little thing that comes along, you're going to start to get worried. You're going to start to make changes. You're never going to give yourself a chance for growth. And as Christians, that same principle is true. We have ups and downs in life, and if we're not patient, we can take our investment, perhaps the, the time we spend with the Lord, we take that, and because of a rough patch, we throw it away. We stop spending time with the Lord. You stop reading the Word. Maybe you take the investment that you should be giving to the Lord and you go invest in some kind of garbage investment, a junk bond or something. Because there's so much out there that we can invest in, so much we can spend time on. And we do that, we turn to those things because we just don't have the patience to stick to God's plan. James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Be patient therefore, brethren, Unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it, until he receive the, earth, the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. 
We're given here the illustration of planting uh, fruit. In this example, we have the husbandman, which in my mind, like a farmer, it says in verse 8, be ye also patient. In other words, take the example here, the example of the husbandman or the, the farmer, just like they've got patience for those crops, you too be patient like that as well. And I can't think of another line of work other than a farmer that requires patience. When you, like back in Lubbock, the cotton farmers, how long it took to, how much effort was placed constantly, you know, plowing that field and then getting into the planting season, hoping that you get the proper rain. And then even if you get to that point where your crop is really good, now you've got a risk of hell. And we saw that many times where you had this great crop and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a hailstorm comes and just wipes out months worth of work. How patient do the farmers have to be? And we need that same patience, spiritually speaking. There's so many things that could derail us in this life, but we have to have patience as Christians. Fruit is not brought to perfection overnight. We know that even if you've grown a flower or had a, a little garden, you know that you have to invest in that. You have to take care of those crops. And it's a long pa- uh, process. It requires patience to get that fruit. You can't save for retirement without patience. You can't build treasure in heaven without patience. You can't wait on Jesus Christ without patience. With patience, you will wait as long as it takes and you're going to invest in that home in heaven that awaits for you. Fifth point, routine evaluation. We have to, from time to time, take a look at ourselves to see where we stand. Any investment advisor will tell you, you have to do this routinely. Make sure that you are still on the right path because when you get started, you're going to have a different set of investments or a different strategy than when you close in on retirement. And that's somewhat true with our Christian life too because when you're a new Christian, you're learning those first principles. You're just getting your feet wet when you are, have been in the church, let's say, for 30 years, we, we hope that we're not still just getting our feet wet in it. You probably need to make some changes. You need to have advanced in your knowledge of the Scripture. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. And we may have heard this many times. I know I have, but a lot of times I just glaze over it. I understand what it's saying, but when I really think about it, am I really examining myself, whether I'm even in the faith? Because that's what's told here. Whether you be in the faith and then prove your own selves. A question I should ask myself, okay, yeah, I know I'm in the faith. Well, prove it. What's the proof that you're in the faith? Prove it to yourself. Think about it. What's the proof that you can provide that you're in the faith? Remember, faith, there is, a, there is proof to our faith. There is substance to it. Paul, who was he talking to here? He was not talking to people that had no knowledge of Jesus Christ. He was talking to the church. He was asking them 
Examine your, or he's telling them, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Again, he's talking to the church. Look at yourself. Are you even in the faith? And we've got to ask ourselves that same question. And am I in the faith? Am I really committed to serving God? Have I fully bought into His plan for me? Last word of this verse here is reprobates. <clears throat> a reprobate is certainly not a profitable servant. It's someone that's left. Someone that's not following the Word of God. We don't want to fall in this category, but we certainly can if we're not careful. Hebrews 5 and 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. The, the focus of someone new to God's Word should be different than a mature Christian. If you've been in the church for many years and you find yourself hung up on basic principles, you know, there's some growth there that hasn't happened. There's something that needs to change there. And that's where the examination really helps out. As we go through our life, look at ourselves. Where am I? Am I in the faith? Have I progressed? And, and that helps us in that progression so that we stay on the right path, that we are always abounding, that we're getting better. We could spend more time, we all could, in God's Word, and we can all expand our portfolio of knowledge. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, Wherefore, let him that, that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We can't just go through life thinking we're okay. Maybe we've lived a good life, Maybe we look at our, yeah, I go to church. Every time those doors are open, I'm there. Um, yeah, I don't really sin a whole lot. I'm, I'm all right. Well, the message here is clear. If you think you stand, watch out because you might fall. And that is definitely a wake-up call we all need uh, from time to time. There was an old infomercial that said, set it and forget it. Some little thing they were selling, how easy this thing was to cook your food. Just set it and forget it. And that's a strategy that really, if we're honest about it, a lot of Christians employ in their life. They've joined the church. They believe in God's Word. They've adopted that belief in their life. Set it and forget it. I'm good to go. But... As we know, that's, uh, we can't have that strategy. Being on cruise control, that's not a profitable way to live. That does not get us where we want to go. Luke chapter 12, verses 20 through 21. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We have an example of a man here. He had what? He had a lot of stuff. Did it benefit him? Look where it got him. God called him a fool. Jesus gives the warning. So is he. And that's where we come into the picture. So is he. If we're doing the same thing here, our Creator is calling us a fool, and hopefully that's not the case. We are only profitable to ourselves when we earn this label. If we put it on cruise control that we think we've got it made. So are we a wise investor or a foolish investor? We've looked at a few ideas this morning. Commit ourselves to the best plan. Find that best plan. Commit to it. 
contribute as much as we can to it, buy low and sell high, be patient, and then evaluate our investments routinely. I want to close with a few questions. First of all, have I built up any treasure in heaven? How might we answer that? If we look at our investment portfolio, if our bank account spiritually, do, can we look at that now? Is there a balance in there? Have I built up any treasure in heaven? Do I have any spiritual wealth? Or am I, am I scraping by? Am I bankrupt? As Christians, we should not be living paycheck to paycheck. God has abundantly blessed us in this life. And He promises to do so in the next, in eternity. Do I have any spiritual wealth? And finally, am I investing in the treasures of life or in the treasures of heaven? That's where I'll conclude the thoughts this morning. Gone a little long and I apologize, but I appreciate your, your good attention and your patience this morning. We haven't spoken on the first principles, but if, if you understand the gospel call and you're ready to obey the gospel this morning, we're not guaranteed another moment of life. If, if you're ready to come before us and, and confess that Jesus is the Savior, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you're ready to make that good confession and be buried with Jesus in baptism for the remission of sins, if you know that and you're ready to do that, don't put it off because we're not guaranteed another moment of life. If you've already taken that step and you'd like the prayers of the church, we'll be glad to assist you in either case. Make your wishes known and come forward if you be of either case while we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479 647-2658. May God bless you.